welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Um, so, to introduce Bo, um, I'm, I'm first of all very grateful for uh, for his service around the fellowship. Uh, the, the, you know, uh, now we have a lot of online meetings, but uh, one year back we didn't have a lot of meetings, and we had this. Bo had this regular Saturday meetings, uh, Monday meetings, which which we used to, which I used to go to uh, regularly, and uh, uh, and you know, so, uh, so grateful for his for his uh, service around it. And you know, one thing that I really like about Bo is his uh, humility. What I don't know what we call it, but uh, he doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I think that he doesn't know how good uh, you know his recovery is because I really think that uh, I really liked his shares. I I used to enjoy his shares, but uh, I I didn't I didn't see that he he did enjoy his shares. So I'm I'm lo- really looking forward to listen to what he has to say today. And yeah, thank you, Bo, for being with us. That's it. Pass. Thank you, Shivam. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Bo. I'm a sexaholic. I'm in Bangkok, in Thailand. Um, hey, Bo. Before, before I just want to confirm that you're okay with being recorded. Yeah, you can record. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. So I'll say my name again. <laughs> my name is Bo, and I'm a sexaholic. Is it? Can I start? Yeah. My name is Bo. I'm a sexaholic, and I'm in Bangkok, in Thailand. Um, I've been sober for a year, and um, it is kind of amazing. I'm I'm 57 years old, and um, I. And I was sexually abused. Like it's, I, I wish I could just leave that out of my story, but I think it's, um, I think it's, it, it helps me to understand like how I started so young and how um, I mean, I've created this whole sort of personality based on um, messages that I got. I mean, the way that I interpreted messages that I got when I was little, um, my parents split when I was young. Um, they both were like, real anti-religion. Um, mom had been baptized in a church and my dad, I think, had been had gone to church when he was little, but they both were um, fiercely, fiercely independent. My dad's a documentary filmmaker, or he was, they both passed away now. And um, he would travel a lot for work and have a lot of affairs. And um, they split when I was two um, and Years later, my dad said, oh, but she was also sleeping around. But I, I, I don't really believe that. Um, it, but she was very um, was very pretty and flirtatious and sexual. I mean, she, she, she was an artist and she, she, um, she made erotic ceramics. So she would like dr- draw pictures of naked people and, you know, anatomy, <laughs> animals and stuff. And um, I mean, she's, I, I miss her so much. She was a lovely person, but I think it wasn't the kind of, um, you know, the, like my, a person's value is more than just their 
sexuality. And so I, I really got that message that my, I think that my value was about um, sex from um, being sexually abused by like a neighbor and a camp counselor. And um, I started being, I started masturbating when I was like 10 or 11, but I started being sexual with adults. I thought I was an adult at 14, 15, but um, I would, I was working in an ice cream store and adults would like, I guess, sense that I was ready to be sexual and they would pick me up. I would be walking home from swim practice and um, people would pick me up. Um, swimming was the only sport I did. <clears throat> um, I felt really um, different from other boys. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm still like, I still am dealing with that. Like I'm not as masculine or manly as other guys. And, um, you know, who knows if I were growing up now, if I would identify as transgender, you know, cause I'm like, I'm that, I'm that uncomfortable with my, with my masculinity too. But, um, I also started doing drugs when I was, when I was a teenager, um, drugs and drinking and it rapidly progressed. Um, by the time I was, uh, I went to college, I went to, um, I, I grew up in California and I went to college at Berkeley and, um, I was, I started, acting out in men's rooms, looking for anonymous hookups with men in, in men's rooms and on the street and wherever. And I even, um, I thought it would be cool to go and sell sex across the Bay in San Francisco. And I did that. I wasn't, I wasn't what most guys were looking for. Cause I was like, they, they, whatever. I, I wasn't very successful at it, but it's, it's part of my story. And the, um, the, the, I got sober pretty young. I, mean, I got sober, I was 21. I had done a lot of drugs and was pretty crazy and pretty rebellious. Like just, just in general thinking the rules don't apply to me. Um, I, somehow I, I managed to do well in high school and I was in student government and stuff, even though I, had, I was like having sex with men and hating myself for that. Um, once in high school, I, I had dated a girl for a couple of weeks and um, we worked at the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk together. And, uh, she said one day, you know, you, we should break up because you really don't treat me like a girlfriend. And what that meant to me was you're gay. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, cause it was sort of, I mean, I, I already was more attracted to men, um, than to women. And I don't know how much of it has to do with being abused, but, um, so at university, lots and lots and lots of sex in, in public restrooms. Then I, 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 I came to get, and I, I thought I was crazy too. And I was doing a lot of drugs and um, sort of like psycho, um, you know, I thought I was a witch. I thought I was supposed to save the world. I, 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 I dropped out of college several times um, and I like did lots of drugs, tried to travel, my plan was whatever, and I, I think I'm going too slow, <laughs> but um, I uh, I got sober from drugs and alcohol. Thank God. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't stay sober the whole time, but I, I went to treatment when I was 21. Um, I kept acting out. I discovered actually. I discovered um, you know the, the the principle of sex addiction in treatment in 1985. I went to my first 
12-step recovery meeting in 1986, um, for, you know, 12-step uh, sexual addiction program. I, I don't think there's ever been more than a few months where I haven't attended some kind of S meeting, but I didn't really get serious about SA until much later. Um, and my, the sex, the sex addiction progressed after I got sober. Um, I started looking for more, um, violent ways to act out. Like I would approach, I was living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I, where I got sober and I would approach these guys who were like on the corner to sell drugs, but I was attracted to them. So I would approach them and say, I don't want to buy drugs. I want to be sexual with you. And that's really asking for trouble. I mean, I, I really, I, I really brought some, um, some dangerous, uh, people into my life. And I mean, the worst thing I got, I got, I got punched in the face once for following somebody and I got, um, hit in the face with a pistol. I had money stolen. I, I, I remember one time I like to wear sandals. I remember one time like chasing after this guy and my Birkenstocks falling off and chasing him. And like, I was like, trying to get him to give me some money back or something, just like, like, silly drama, but I was also cruising and trying to have sex with um, these, they're called trustees. So they're in prison, but they, the, they, the government lets them come out and like clean, like mow the lawns and clean up the office buildings and stuff. So I finished college in Baton Rouge and I finished law school in Baton Rouge. And I was working as an attorney for the state of Louisiana. Um, and I was being sexual with these uh, prisoners like trustees who were, and, and even like, even though I was clean and sober, bringing them drugs. Um, so that's sort of the, that's where I was when I went to treatment for sex addiction in Minnesota in the year 1990. So I went to one of um, Patrick Carnes treatment center up in Minnesota. So that was 30 years ago. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's a long time. And I, and I, I, I have, I'm a year sober now and I'm, I'm so happy and excited to be sober. I mean, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm feeling a lot of gratitude and, and um, yeah, emotion now, like kind of on the edge of, of crying a lot. Cause um, I mean, it is, it is a miracle that I've managed to stay sober this last year. Like I, I want to downplay it like, well, I'm still not as surrendered as, you know, all these speakers that I hear, you know, people who um, are really good at saying no to, you know, every, every single um, occasion of lust. Like I, I'm still at the point where I, I find myself taking a lust drink and then I surrender and pray and, um, but still, <laughs> I think it's it's progressive. It's progressive victory over less. So, the um, like I said, I, I I've been in and out of sex addiction recovery meetings for three decades, and the longest that I ever had sexually sober before coming to SA um, two years ago. I, I made four months a couple of times, like when I got out of sex addiction treatment and I was on antidepressants and I was going to meetings, um, I made it to four months. And then another time later on, I made it to four months. And even at one point, um, oh, and so somewhere along the line, I, I became Catholic. Like I was living in Louisiana and I first I, I joined this one other um, Christian church and decided I didn't like it. Um, 
I had a relapse on drugs and then I, I ended up uh, joining the Catholic church and sort of, there were periods of time where I didn't go to very many meetings at all. And I was very, very involved in all kinds of like church activities. And I was a reader, I would read the Bible in church, I would serve the, the communion. I was on the social justice, social justice committee. I was teaching English as a second language and like doing like every night having a church activity, um, but never really giving that my sexuality to God. Like I, I think all these years in AA, like, so right now I'm, I'm 17 years sober or next month I'll be 17 years sober in AA. And I've, I've been through the steps I've been, I've, I've made it to step five lots of times, but as far as like really, really working six, seven, eight, nine, ten, six, seven, eight, nine, I really haven't. I mean, I, a couple of years ago, I had an AA sponsor and I, I started step nine. Like I really actually made some real amends, but um, in all those other years, I mean, I, I think I can honestly say, I don't think it's an, an exaggeration to say that the step that I really took in AA was I'm powerless. The first half of step one, I'm powerless over alcohol. But that part about I cannot manage my life by my life is unmanageable by me. I think I, I still, I think I'm still kind of there, you know, like I still offer myself to God in the morning and I really, really believe it. And I really mean it. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my everything and my all. And I love you. And, you know, and you love me and it's, it's so wonderful. And then like, you know, I, I start having like suspicious kind of thoughts and stinking thinking. And so I, I see that I haven't really fully, fully um, admitted to my innermost self that my life is unmanageable by me. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm progressing. I'm progressing at that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I know I'm getting more and more honest. Um, I, was going to another 12-step fellowship here in Bangkok that I helped start. So I, I came to Bangkok in 2014, 2014 to volunteer with a Catholic group. Um, and I thought I would come for a year. And I've been here for, um, like, all told, it's about six years now. I, I left for a year. But when in my the first time I came here, there was a guy who wanted to start an essay meeting. And I started essay with him. But pretty soon... There, there were like five people in the meeting and one guy was heterosexual and married and the other four, well, I said he was heterosexual and married, but his, his, he would act out with transgender people, but that like men transgender to women. He said one day, you know what, we can't, if we're, if we're gonna have like people who, who cause they, oh, they, so two guys were in relationships with men and so he, he, he was like, we can't really call this an essay meeting if we're not following the sobriety definition. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's change to SLAA. And I did. And I started working the steps in SLAA. I got a sponsor and kept the meetings going, was very like, kept it going for, you know, I was, it was pretty much mostly me and maybe um, one other guy who was, who was always there. Well, I was, it seems like I was there more often, but it got to a point where they were kind of, the, the, the elders in that program were, were pretty much saying, you know, Bo, you're attracted to men. And this whole Catholic thing of, 
you know, I can't be married to a man. I don't want to be married to a man. We think that's like self-hatred and homophobia. And, um, and it's not healthy. We think it's sexual anorexia. <laughs> and, and I just got to a point where I was like, I think I better do SA instead. You know, I tried SA before. And um, so this was like a little over two years ago. Um, I, I found, um, you know, got, the, got an SA email address and um, contacted Seiko. And we, we started a meeting with three people. And um, one of those guys moved away. One of those guys has stopped coming to the meetings because he... he um, He's trying to, to, to be in a um, like a church group, I, I guess, because you know SA doesn't SA lets you choose your own higher power, and he, thank you, and he wants to um, do that. So the 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 main SA member in Bangkok, I am the main SA member in Bangkok, and um, we've I've kept the Skype meeting going, and at first it was a combined Skype and face to face meeting. And um, you know we would we would we'd have two or three people in the room, and then like ten people on the phone. And I didn't mind. I mean, I was always paying a lot of attention to the to the computer, but it was nice to have more than more than just myself and Bond, who would always have this other guy, who would always have like a day or two or or three of of sobriety. It was nice to have some some people with more sobriety come in and join us. Um, but that's so. Then COVID hit, and we've pretty much kept the Skype meeting going. However, many times it was just Shivam and I. And so Shivam and I had a couple of group consciousness and decided we would switch the meetings to Zoom. Um, and I'm just today, they're loosening up the, the restrictions some more in, in Bangkok. Um, I didn't talk about massage at all, but I've, I have, I've been refraining from massages for a long time. And, and my sponsor said, wait until you get a year before you think about getting one. And now it's been over a year. But on January 2nd, the government closed um, the massage shops and now they're open again. So I have to think about that, but, but we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to get a face-to-face -face meeting started. And I, I really believe that keeping the meeting going has helped my sobriety. And I really appreciate Shem for giving me the chance to share with you guys tonight. I really appreciate being this meeting. I've only been on a few times and every time I've been on, I've been on some kind of bus or <laughs> subway or outside with lots of people. So this is the first time I've actually sat down and. Um, and I'm looking forward to listening to you guys um, share after me talking for so many minutes. Thank you so much for letting me share. God bless you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.